Welcome to What CEOs Talk About. Do you wonder what CEOs talk about behind closed doors? How they bring their vision to reality? How do they overcome and succeed through adversity? We share that and so much more with each episode. Now, let's get started with the show. Good day, everybody. My name is Martin Hunter. I am the host of What CEOs Talk About, where we translate strategy into frontline operations. Greg, thank you very much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks, Martin. I'm excited to be here. Uh, before we start, a word from our sponsors. Greg, do you know anybody who has sold their business? I do. Yeah, I know a few people. <laughs> I do know a few, a few people. people. Mm -hmm. Has it been in your... Um, in your view, was it mostly good experience or bad experience? Ooh, well, run the gamut. Some good and some not so good, <laughs> right? And I probably have had a few that have been not so good. So, you know, uh, yeah, been through, been through so, a few. So why not so good? Let's go in details. Why, what's your opinion of why did the, the purchasing the transaction M&A buyout strategic did not happen well? You know, I think that... Um, when it doesn't go well, it's because the company selling has unaligned management team and shareholders, mm. right? It's when there's sort of not a lack of clarity from the, from the selling side on what the expectations are, what the wants are. And at the end of that, mm -hmm. you know, nobody gets what they want, which is, which is the worst possible outcome. Right. So I think, um, that's definitely a big lesson learned, uh, through prior <laughs> transactions, you know, getting great alignment within your own organization before you start talking to another one. That, that's exactly it. Right. And, and the successful one is the ones that have, I'm assuming from what your experience, what you're telling is the opposite spectrum is when it does go well, there's good alignment. There's too many people that think that doing mergers and acquisitions or buying an organization, it's very system based. What accounting system do you use? What accounting do you I system use? And they think that econo economies of scale come from just simplifying processes. But you've got rooted cultures. You've got behaviors that even if you're buying two similar companies or you're merging two similar companies, of in the same industry outputting very similar products, the cultures are very different. So without a good operational leadership methodology of both behaviors and systems and processes, it's very hard to create that singularity of purpose to be able to get to where you, you need to do. So that's what Ergio really does good as an integration management office, either pre-purchase, post-purchase, scaling up, merging and acquisition. So that IMO key component is really bringing in a third party to really help both organizations really merge. I say two, but usually M&A, sometimes you got four or five, six. That's even adds a little bit more complexity. So thank you very much, Urjo, for sponsoring this uh, episode with Greg. And Greg, thank you very much for being on the show. What is the title of today's show? I love it. Yeah. So the title of today's show is Tenacity. I, I, I just see a dog holding on and just not letting go. That's my <laughs> visual of that. Yeah. Um, before we go into that, Greg, can you please tell the listeners and the viewers, tell us context on who the guest is brings out a lot of value. So where kind of how you were raised, where you're born, kind of your story of 
to where you were a wee little baby to where you are today. Sure. <clears throat> sure. Well, definitely uh, excited to share some of this. So, um, yeah, Greg Moser, um, currently uh, president and CTO of a, of a company called Shipcom based here in uh, Southern California and San Diego, actually. And, uh, and in fact, that's even where my story started. Um, born and raised here in, uh, in San Diego, uh, sort of grew up in a awesome household, older brother, older sister, um, loving, wonderful parents, both architects. Um, and I kind of grew up as a surfer, right? Sort of surfer skate kid in the streets of Southern California, yeah. right? So that's uh, that's certainly... The dream typical, man. That's what, when people watch TV, those, they say Southern California, that's what you do. That's it, right? <laughs> so so grew up with that lifestyle, you know, lots of sunshine, uh, lots of lots of time at the beach and, and great, you know, but, uh, you know, my... My story starts really early. Even my professional story starts really early. You know, I had an older brother and an older sister, and they were, um, are exceptionally gifted and talented individuals. Um, give you some context. My brother's currently a professor at Brown University, right? So he got oh, his shit. PhD from Harvard, you know, now is a professor at Brown, you know, Chinese history, right? So, so total brainiac. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> And then, you know, my, my sister is no slouch either, right? She's getting a perfect score on the SATs in high school and, and just one of those absolute sort of rock star uh, academics. And here I come along and I'm this like surfer, skater, want to hang out with my friends, you know, uh, grew up dyslexic, so really struggled to learn how to read. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you know, the story there, Martin, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that, that was a challenge and that was certainly a challenge in our, our household. Um, and I think at a really early age, it put just, just absolutely massive chip on my shoulder to say, look, mm. just because my brother and my sister are so much smarter than I am, like I'm smart too. And I need to go and like mm -hmm. prove that to the world, prove it to my parents, prove it to myself. Um, mm -hmm. and that, and that forged a lot of sort of the directions and where I went. Um, you know, in, in middle school, I started, um, uh, I had a really fortunate experience. Um, my uncle was actually uh, worked at AOL in the early days, and I think it was uh, <laughs> my 12th birthday. He came by and he had printed out a stack of, of sheets on um, the different tags in HTML like 40 sheets of all the different tags in HTML printed out, mm -hmm. handed this to me as my birthday present. And then he sat down with me next to the computer, opened up a notepad. We typed some of these tags into the notepad, hit save, opened it up in a web browser, which was like this brand new thing that I had gotten experience with. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I just made that web page. This is flipping incredible. Where do I get more pages like this? And he's like, it's all here. <laughs> it's all on the internet. Just start searching, right? And so, and so that's what I did. I started searching the internet and, and sort of taught myself to code at a really young age, um, way before sort of I knew that that was going to end up being a valuable skill uh, later on in life, right? Um, had a lot of fun with it. Started my first e-commerce store in high school uh, and, and really just doubled down on it. Um, you know, I, growing up as a surfer and skater and, and always pushing the envelope with my parents, I spent a lot of time grounded. Uh, and, but the one thing, <laughs> 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 yeah, 
it's true. Uh, but you know, the one thing my parents always let me do was, Hey, look, if you're in your room and you want to fiddle with the computer and teach yourself stuff, you know, go, go right ahead. ahead. That's probably going to be valuable for you later on in life. Right. <laughs> and so I got to spend a lot of time in my room by myself with this computer, <laughs> you know, fiddling away. Uh, so that's really where the story began. Um, and then, uh, and then at the tail end of high school, I was working, uh, working full time in a surf shop and they wanted to start selling their products online. So I built them an e-commerce store to do that. It turned out to be quite successful. And, uh, out of that, I started a, a marketing agency, did a bunch of, you know, SEO in the very early two thousands, mm -hmm. sort of digital marketing and then transitioned into, helping um, brick and mortar retailers, like sort of more traditional brands, as they were making mm -hmm. this transition from mall stores into online selling. I had some mm -hmm. great opportunities to partner with companies like that and help them really digitize themselves sort of in the mid uh, 2000s. Um, and then uh, after that, I uh, realized, you know, I'd always been sort of implementing other people's software in the e-commerce space and had really built a bit of an expertise around it. But um, there were some challenges with the existing software that was out there. So um, I went to work, actually I had a client that was, uh, that was a bicycle retailer here in uh, Southern California. And, you know, they were selling bicycles. These are triathlon bicycles. They're selling them all over the globe um, and doing a, doing a decent business. But Amazon had come in. They really needed to figure out what their Amazon strategy was. They really needed to figure mm -hmm. out how to grow their online sales and also still run their physical um, brick and mortar operations, but trying to sort of blend these two worlds of the physical and the digital. And I went through this remarkably long process to select like what was going to be the perfect software to make this company, you know, thrive, mm -hmm. <clears throat> went to implement it. And the, the thing basically just didn't work. And by the way, this was software that I, the budget for implementing the software was 50 grand. I convinced the owners of this company to spend a hundred thousand dollars because this was the oh. right stuff and it just didn't work. Right. It was a horrible, horrible experience. And I have all this egg over my face. And so there I am going, what am I going to do? This is a problem. And I, and I hunker down in the back of this bike shop for months and I just start coding and I started coding a software platform. Uh, and back, back to your grounding days, right? Totally, right? <laughs> I'm going to ground myself. I'm just going to ground myself <laughs> and I'm just going to fix this, right? Like I'm, I've got egg all over my face. Like this company, like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. just did something that really put this company in jeopardy here, right? Like what am I going to do? Yeah. And I just sat down and said, okay. And it was, it was sort of a crazy time. I was putting in, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours a day, grinding away, trying to build some software that would, that would do the things that, you know, I promised the other software was going to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that really became the genesis for um, a tool, uh, which was one of the first sort of headless commerce platforms uh, called Slatwall that I, that I founded um, and originally founded even as an open source project. Um, and I ran that and, and rolled out the bicycle retailers, uh, you know, implementation, did it for a few other companies. That then, that business, that platform uh, turned into a much larger uh, operation. I ended up selling it to a group out of Massachusetts, uh, stayed on with them for a number of years and really serviced sort of the mid market and enterprise space. 
um, a lot in sort of publishing. Um, so we did uh, subscription engines for Inc. and Fast Company Magazine. Oh, wow. A lot of wine retailers. We did all of Sotheby's uh, wine futures. So all sorts of kind of weird esoteric mm -hmm. areas to apply commerce <laughs> on the internet, right? Um, but I would have never dreamed that that's kind of where I was going to end up you know, yeah. when I, when I, when I started this stuff. Um, but you know, that was, uh, certainly lessons learned in putting your head down and just keep going when things get tough, put your head down and keep going. Right. Um, and so anyway, you know, I ran that for a number of years and then, um, in 2017, uh, having my first kid, uh, his name's Holden. He's now five. And, uh, in the past business, you know, I was traveling all over the globe mm -hmm. and I said, it's time to, time to hunker down and, and set some roofs back in San Diego. And so, you know, left that, left that opportunity and, and started Shipcom, which is where we are now. And, and I get the pleasure every day because, um, honestly, what I'm, what I'm really passionate about is helping entrepreneurs. You know, that's why I love things like, like mm -hmm. this podcast and, um, and other organizations I get involved with. I love sharing stories, hearing from others, um, you know, I've gotten so much wisdom over the years, and that's really what what I get to do here at Chipcom. You know, we we service small and mid-sized businesses in the e-commerce space, and it's a space gotcha. that I've that I've known for 20 years. And so we literally, you know, some of our customers were the first we ship their very first order for them, right? And so yeah. we do a lot of coaching, a lot of handholding, um, and a lot of partnership, um, all the way up to the folks doing 100 million a year online, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and kind of getting to see that that breadth. So you know, it, it's a lot of fun for me what we get to do every day. Um, I'm inspired by all the people uh, that work here and I'm, I'm exceptionally inspired by all of our customers. Right. And it's, it's kind of fun. You know, our mission is just to make our customers more successful. And so when you get to get out of bed every day going like, Hey, my job today is just to try and help, help that person's company, you know, be a bit better today than it was yesterday. It's an, it's an easy thing to get out of a bed for, especially when it's, you know, 72 degrees outside and, and sunny. So, you know, I, I live a very blessed life. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's a little bit of, uh, where I came from and where I am today. For those who are watching, uh, you'll notice that I'm wearing a flannel shirt and a hat because it is friggin' cold in Vancouver, British Columbia. We were out of power, and that's you know living in the wilderness up in the mountain. That's what happens. But you, I, it, it is the middle, um, past the middle of May. I should be wearing shorts and t-shirt. I should be at seventy-two. I, I despise you. No, I'm just <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But I'm also, I'm also a big snowboarder. So you guys have the massive leg up on me during the winter. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get up to Whistler on a regular basis. So yeah, you guys get yeah, yeah, four major peaks within driving distance of my house my kids absolutely love it i'm done my skiing years i'm just like kids are way faster than i am i was like ah oh, you know what i'm just gonna have a hot toddy i just <laughs> put a little bit of rum in my coffee and life there is good go. <laughs> yeah a little irish coffee a little hot toddy all good oh, yeah. yeah all is good all is good all right you mentioned it a little bit before grinding tenacity why did what what's in the title why did we choose the title tenacity yeah you know it's a it's it's something that i've reflected on a a lot lately um you know i i've really realized that i have these um 
nuances about myself. Um, you know, one of the one of my strongest assets is I have this crazy ability to just get laser focused on something mm-hmm. and shut out the rest of the world and go right. And that mm-hmm. <laughs> that sometimes, um, you know, for my loved ones and those around me, sometimes that can be a bit uh, off putting. I'll leave it. At, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, this is sort of the polite way of saying it, right? But um, you know that. I've found, and just sort of looking back over my life and my career, I found that sometimes these periods of immense focus um, created great opportunity for me. And then, mm-hmm. and then I was also, I've also thought back, especially recently, you know, when I've hit some, some rough patches, I've really started drawing on kind of the worst rough patches I've ever been on before, mm-hmm. right? In these moments where, I'll give you a perfect example. We, um, in the very early days of this business, we, um, we had to move buildings and we're in, okay. we're, we, we run big buildings, right? These things have got, you know, we got hundreds or thousands of pallets inside of these buildings of people's goods and mm-hmm. stuff. Moving is not fun, right? It's not enjoyable <laughs> it, by any stretch. Of, like you think moving your thousand square foot apartment sucks. Try moving, you know, 150,000 square feet. It really sucks, right? So, you know, we had been running this startup. We had, were like out of cash. Our landlords were kicking us out of one building. Um, we had found another building in a crazy small period of time. And these aren't easy things to find. We found a great new partner and landlord. And, and um, you know, we just didn't have resources. It was a very early mm-hmm. days and we had been very bootstrapped. And I remember, you know, we got this local trucking uh a guy who worked in the trucking space to partner with us on this. And I just remember this period. And I think it was all in like 19 or 20 days. And I'm a, I'm a coder, right? Like my background is in writing software. It's not in, you know, um, tremendous physical labor. Right. But I just remember 20 days nonstop, I'm putting in 20 to 22 hour days, literally going home for two or three hours. And then I'm back here on a forklift, moving pallets, packing boxes, cleaning, uh, literally nonstop, right? And and the whole while going, there's like no money in the bank account, right? Like those investor calls need to happen next week, but I don't know if I can because if we don't get these people's product out of this building and into this building, who knows what's going to happen to it? It was just mm-hmm. one of those absolutely chaotic and crazy moments in my life and we just kept telling each other, like, we're going to get through this. We have to get through this. There's no, there is no mm-hmm. retreat, right? It's burn the ships, right? This is, it's the <laughs> only way to move is to move forward. We just have to go, you know, you have to do this. And I think, you know, when you uh, get the opportunity to speak with other entrepreneurs, I think you'll find lots of entrepreneurs have similar stories like this, right? Mm-hmm. Where they've, where they've met these moments where it's sort of like, look, this is just do or die. We just have to move forward. We have to keep going. And then, and then when I reflect on that, that's now become this tremendous, uh, like sort of touchstone of strength, right? Which Mm -hmm. is to say sort of any adversity that hits, you sort of go like, yeah, but is this as bad as that time? You know, Mm -hmm. no, no, this is going to be bad, right? This is going to be hard. You know, we might have to, you know, make some difficult decisions. We might have to have really uncomfortable conversations at at a board meeting. Um, But, but, you know, the show will go on and we can go on. And, and when I reflect on all of that, I've realized that 
sort of the lesson is is tenacity right it is this sort of sense of when you're faced with the highest degrees of uncertainty it's the moment where you need to just trust and believe and put your head down and get laser focused right because it's also i'll say you know i had my very first company you know i reached one of those moments and i tapped out i totally tapped mm -hmm. out and honestly in hindsight and in reflection i probably didn't need to but i was i was mm -hmm. young and i was frightened and i was uh, embarrassed and I was scared and anything and everything you could imagine. And I, and I reflect on that now because, you know, if that, if I was met with the same sort of obstacles that I, that I had then, you know, instead of going to the bar and drinking away my sorrows, I just put my nose down and, and, and work through it. Right. And so I think that if there's one thing that I, that I've, that I've decided I want to share with people is, that that it's okay right that you that there is you know uh just just staying tenacious and and like you uh you know that sort of scene of a of a pit bull just latched onto something and like <laughs> i'm not gonna let this thing go right uh you know is is important and it's always darkest before the dawn so it, it, oh that that is true that is uh I've been around the world and when I love the sunrise mm. and you are absolutely a hundred percent, you know, you, I was in the military, the coldest part of the night is just before sunrise and you've been up all night, you're on duty and you're like, Oh, this sucks so much either in the mining industry. And then, and then you see the sun come up and you see this. Okay. So I, I, I made it through. There's, it's not that there is seasons to business. Now I want to, I want to show the viewers and, and, and really pinpoint for the listeners. When Greg says tenacity, it's not spinning his wheels. Like he said, you have to be laser focused. That means that you have to have a plan. You're not just bare, putting your head down and moving boxes to move boxes. You have to have a plan. Yeah. And so let's be let's be very precise in prioritizing what laser focus means, right? It means that, okay, you believe in the vision. You believe in the direction. You've made the plan out. You believe in the plan. You're executing at the plan. And I think Arnold Schwarzenegger says, just because you're failing or just because you're struggling, you're not necessarily failing. That's right. And I think that that's, that's the tenacity component of it. No, that's right? exactly, it's, that's exactly right. And it's, and it's because what will happen, I mean, look, what, what happened in that whole, in the, in that, in the episode I talked about just a moment ago, right? Like there's also a lot of people that will try and knock you off your course, right? There's a lot of feedback uh -huh. that you're going to get. That's going to say, you can't do this. Stop. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. Move over here. Focus on this other shiny object. Just throw in the towel. It's not worth it or whatever, right? You're going to get all mm -hmm. sorts of stuff. And it's, it's the similar thing, you know, with fundraising, right? It's sort of like you get a couple of no's and, you know, all of a sudden you can, you can change your whole direction. It's like, no, you didn't need to change your direction. They just weren't looking for <laughs> what you were selling at that time, you know? And, mm. you know, I actually, all right, another uh, I'm so good at embarrassing myself apparently, but okay. One, one other little, little, <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> so I got this lesson really early. So in high school, all right, you got to imagine, right? Bleached blonde hair, surfer kid. I, uh, 
my mom thought I, you know, since I wasn't going to be an academic like my brother and my sister, maybe I could have a career in Hollywood, right? So she got me, you know, acting and modeling lessons, and I started acting and modeling and going up. And this is in, you know, my sort of, like, I don't know, I was maybe 14 years old or something like that, right? Okay. And I, I got an agent in Los Angeles, and my mom is such a trooper, you know, she, it was crazy. She literally would drive me like three days a week up to auditions in LA. And for those who don't know the geography, it's about a two hour drive each way. And then the audition is like, I mean, if you get a minute and a half with the casting director, it's, it's Mm -hmm. a big win, right? You know? And I remember going into this and early on, I got an agent who would put me out on these casting calls and she sat me down and said, listen, Greg, I'm going to put you on a hundred casting calls and you're going to hear a hundred no's. And it has absolutely nothing to do with how you acted or how you looked. It has everything to do with what they were looking for, how they woke up on the side of the bed that day. Right. And so sort of like that coupled with, you know, my mom's tenacity of being willing to stay focused and drive me up to these things ended up allowing me to get a couple things. And I realized like, look, I'm not a model. I'm not an actor, right? I'm a better coder. <laughs> Keep me behind the screen, right? I'm, I'm not a front man. Uh, and, uh, uh, but anyway, I think the, I think the lesson is still the same, which is yes, tenacity is really, really important, but it's tenacity with that, that focus, right? With a very clear, this is what I'm mm-hmm. doing and I'm mentally preparing myself to hear no a hundred times so that that way when you hear no the sixth time, you're like, well, only 94 more no's. Okay. That's it. All right. Oh, only 93 more no's. That's all I got to get. Right. It just changes your whole attitude towards what you're, what you're doing. And, uh, I don't know. It's been positive for me at least. It, it, it is. Uh, so two tools that I think we should share. One is every morning. I get up and I only put six things on my to-do list. I go, must be done, needs to be done, wants to be done. Mm-hmm. That's yep. it. Love it. And I, I, I pick, I pick two: one professional and one personal. So, so the personal ones tend to be very similar day in day out, but the business ones are always must, need, and want. Yep. And hopefully, the wants get to become the needs and hopefully become the must needs to get done. But every day, that's all I do. And they say, what? You only do that? And I was like, I am laser focused that day. My day is not complete until this is achieved. I must achieve this. Yeah, no. I need to achieve that. And I want to achieve that. So I give myself every day, I give myself a score. Did I hit, you know, 75%? Did I hit 50%? Then I, I hopefully I don't hit 30% uh, <laughs> too often, but, yeah. um, but then I always, and instead of saying, was I successful or not successful? I was like, am I ahead or am I behind? Right. Because life is a cycle, right? If you, if you put two hard barriers, you become, in my opinion, your superpower can be your kryptonite. Then you become too tenacious on the process and not tenacious on the task. Oh, I only hit 50% yesterday. I have to hit better today. So just don't don't overload yourself with the KPI more with the, how you get it done. So I think that's, that's the number one tool. The number two tool, I think, or the Colonel Sanders is something that I think is a a clear demonstration of tenacity. Like he had his secret recipe for what, like 20 plus years. And he went knocking and knocking. And it was only when he was like 65 or sixties in his sixties 
that KFC actually sunk in and and was a, a thing. So you want to talk about tenacity. Now, some people might say, well, you know, 20 years of ringing the same bell, maybe that's not the way. In today's day and age, it might be different. And I want to, I want to make sure that you put yourself a milestone because I think too many entrepreneurs go, you know, work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard. And they forget that tenacity, the way that Greg is saying it, is it, it is very, it's like a sprint. Yeah. And it's like, you have to be tenacious for a certain amount of time. It, you kind of put, have to put the line in the sand and say, I'm going to be tenacious. I'm just going to be laser focused. But at the end, of the, if I don't achieve this by this date, you have to go, hey, listen, I have to really reevaluate the plan. And, you know, what was I thinking truly about reassessing that? Because tenacity, although very important without clear direction, is... Yeah, kinda, no, I think that's energy. a, I mean, I think that's a, a fantastic point, right? You do need to, <clears throat> you do, I, I mean, I certainly, and I don't know if it's just my personality type, but it's cyclical for me, right? There is a, there's a clear mm -hmm. beginning and a clear end to this, to these periods of time where you're like, you are mm -hmm. sort of like, I need to go into the sprint. I think you described it really well. Right. And it's, and I need to stay laser focused and I need to be willing to hear a hundred no's and I need to just give this my all because I, and, but then the, I think the, the, the point that you made is I, two things. One, I really always love defining exactly what success looks like before one of these periods, mm -hmm. right? So that you know exactly what, yeah, exactly what success is, right? And so you know when you've gotten there and you also know when you haven't gotten there, right? You know when you've missed, right? Mm -hmm. And I love time boxing things, right? I love saying I need to mm -hmm. have this by this moment in time and I and I'm going to you know, I'm going to do that and I'm going to push forward. And then I, I have a, a deadline here. I think the, the, the key though is, you know, you can set those things for yourself. You can set a deadline. You can kind of say, Hey, I want it. This is what success looks like for me. And then just sort of float around for that period of time, because the thing mm -hmm. you want to do, everybody is, you know, trying to knock you off your block, right? Everybody is trying to get you to stumble. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't put as much energy into it, <clears throat> you know, when you have when you have put laser focus and you have gripped onto that thing for the entirety of that time period and you come to the other end and you're like look nobody's buying my secret sauce right actually i'm not colonel sanders right you know <clears throat> you can reflect and go well I gave it my all, right? Like I know that yeah, this exactly. wasn't because I didn't try hard enough. I know that this wasn't because, you know, I didn't make enough phone calls. It's like, no, I did all of that. So I now know that I need to reflect and go, did I, did I make a miss? You know, is there, a, is there a lesson to be learned here? And do I need to redirect my focus mm -hmm. and my energy? Absolutely. I think that that's the, the key thing is not blindly just, there's too many times, especially in certain organizations like entrepreneurial organizations where they go, you know, or you see on social media, you go, oh, you know, don't, what, what do they say all the time? Don't overthink it. Just work hard. Well, yeah. uh, <laughs> there's a Japanese saying that goes, how's it go again? It goes, vision without action is a dream. Action without vision is a nightmare. So 
that's yeah, a good like one, that. right? So you all you're dreaming of something, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're doing something without a dream, you're just you're just creating a nightmare. And there's too many times when I say that to a company founder or owner, and they go, "Oh," and you're yep. like, "Yeah, it sinks yep. in, right?" Totally. <laughs> and you go, "Oh, totally. I don't want to call you a moron, but I think you just totally. realized <laughs> what totally. you're doing." But uh, um, yeah. so no, I was just gonna say, ahead. you know, I I think. Um, one other thing I just wanted to add was, you know, it's a real, I, I think this is a really important lesson. I think it's something that's been really helpful for me. So I love sharing it with people, but I think the, the other piece of this is, especially as a CEO, right? Um, you know, it's one thing, and I think that's, you know, this has been a, a superpower of mine and a strength of mine that I've had in my career. Mm -hmm. And what I'm really now trying to do is, you know, we have a, we have a larger organization. I've got 80 people working here now, right? Um, we're adding mm -hmm. new, adding new employees on a regular basis. And so then the question becomes, okay, so, you know, tenacity is this value that I have this sort of like, you know, pick a North mm -hmm. star and go and, and, and grind through it. Mm -hmm. How do you inspire your team and the people around you, or how do you hire for, you know, people that have this sort of, um, innate, innate ability to stay tenacious. Right. Um, and how do you, how do you propagate that down? Right. And how, um, because that now becomes, because the challenge, because it's one thing when it's like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm biting down on this and I'm working because at the end of the day, I'm going to mm -hmm. be make a hundred million dollars selling my company. Right. Well, try getting that same level of, you know, passion behind somebody who's like, look, man, you pay me 20 bucks an hour. I'm just here for a job. Right. You know, I'm not, I'm not excited to, you know, move pallets for, you know, 22 hours a night. Right. And so that becomes, you know, a big, a big part of it as well is, is inspiring around these things so that you can, you can find ways to motivate. Absolutely. I mean, the, that is a key thing that we do performance management against the values. So we always create what we called um, a behavioral based inventory. So what that means is that your code of conduct within your organization is defined by behaviors that are represented in the value. So for example, our number one value at Urgio is get like shit it. done. Well, what does that look like? Right. And so we associate key behaviors that we want to hire for that. We want to evaluate performance and fire as well. The second one is demonstration of care. Like we truly and honestly care about our clients as if it was our own business. What does that mean? Because care can be for your company, could be for my company, for anyone. So you define those behaviors against and you hire against them, you fire against them, you do performance management against them. And I think what Greg mentioned that we don't really talk often about is subcultures within the organization if you've got a warehouse employee that's getting paid 20 bucks an hour he don't that's give right. a shit like don't get me wrong like he's like yeah yeah rah 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 ship calm love you guys there's different ways there's profit sharing there's a whole bunch of things that can induce excitement but is that person really going to have the same level of dedication on 20 bucks an hour versus your executive team who's like all bought in don't be don't be afraid to have subcultures and thinking that, you know, oh, this is what I want to implement within the business on the tech side. Okay, yep. maybe. But in different, most organizations, there's different levels of commitment within the organization that are just, 
and Tyson Foods was one of our clients. And they, I mean, the level of commitment from somebody in Carthage, Mississippi, who is a, a chicken processor who's getting paid that minimum wage does not have the same commitment as the general sure. manager of, you know, um, yeah, so no, it's, and I think, um, I think being sensitive critical. to all of that, right. And being real with all that, I think, yeah. I think the one thing that the $20 an hour line worker, you know, really resents is somebody coming down and trying to give sort of the same type of, you know, values pitch or speech that they give to their executive team. They're like, get out of here. Right. Like, I don't like, give me Friday off. Stop with this nonsense. Right. You know, it's just, a. I think it's, it's important to be really um, cognizant of the audience. And um, yeah, and I loved what you said about, you know, I think this is honestly, it's a mistake that I made in my career is not understanding how important values are both in defining them. And I think it's something, and uh, I think, I think organizations are getting better and better at it um, these days. But Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, I think really, identifying the people in your organization, like put them up on a chart and say, why do you like that person? Well, they get shit done. That's why I like them. Like, well, maybe, maybe that should be a value of ours, right? Maybe getting shit done should be a value because we really like Bob and Bob is always getting shit done. Right. You know, and, and that's, that's cool. Right. Um, you know, we, that's, that's what we did here. And it was really, really helpful. You know, we just started putting all the names of the employees, uh, the whole leadership yeah. team threw names up of the employees. And these are mostly, you know, $20 an hour folks. So, well, what do we like most about that? Well, gosh, they always, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we've got, so, so actually we embody the sort of tenacity thing here with this concept of our value is, uh, can't have no in your heart. Right. So there's this, oh, yeah. So there's this moment because there, as you can imagine, there's all these times, right. Where, the truck pulls up to the back of the dock. The, you know, the person opens up the truck and look inside and it's like, oh my God, all the pallets fell over. There's like 2000 ping pong balls on the back and I've got to pick up ping pong balls for the next however long or whatever the, whatever the horrible work yeah. thing that, and, and they need to look over at their supervisor and you hope that the supervisor has gotten to that place of like, look, I get it, but we're here to do a job and you can't have no in your heart. So let's go. Right. And then all of a sudden, just like in that little moment, it takes it from this. All right, we're going to go and we're going to go storm the hill. Right. We're going to take this. You know, we're going to go take the castle and we're going to just feel good about the fact that we accomplished picking all this crap up or whatever, whatever the horrible, horrible thing is. Um, So anyway, I I just I just wanted to double down on what you said. I think it's just so spot on. The, the one thing that most people don't realize is that every human being at any level from from the queen to the president of the United States to the garbage person who picks up and we always underestimate and we everybody needs three things in life emotionally. Do you hear me? Do you see me? And do I matter? And so by the little scenario you put together. The supervisor looks at the at the worker and he says, I see you, right? I hear you like, oh, shit, a thousand fucking <laughs> ping pong balls are everywhere. Yeah. And, and yes, you do matter. I will help you. I will support you. I will do whatever it takes to get this job done. So I think regardless if you're getting paid 20 bucks to 17 bucks an hour, if you fulfill those three emotional needs for an employee 
you're you're in and same thing like you said right instead of you coming down from the top and saying yeah 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 rah 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 everybody gets right. you know a, a free dinner card at 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 Fridays TGIFs like right. I don't give a shit I like ask him ask the individual hey guys in the warehouse you know we've we've really been good with our KPIs we've got lean management going on and our roll rate or your month to month hourly to rate whatever you guys have definitely help transform the business and here's the result of that transformation this equates to a certain a certain reward and you go okay what do you guys right. want to do with it so in the mining industry it's very common to have um safety initiatives so we so what happens is that you create a a very adverse reporting structure because you say okay if you're hitting your safety targets here's 200 bucks more a month here's 200 bucks more a month here's 200 bucks more a month so then they get addicted to that 200 dollars. so when somebody does get injured they go greg you know i don't know you you chop your finger off and they go hey shit greg i don't right. want you to report that i'll give you 100 bucks because i i'll lose my 200 bucks we'll all lose so it's counterintuitive. So anyways, in this mining, um, in this mine, we train, change things around and say, okay, you guys are going to get your Christmas and summer bonus. That's for sure. You're going to get that in regards to performance. I mean, don't get me wrong. Safety was a key component of it, but it wasn't, it wasn't, we weren't incentivizing for it. We're saying, hey, you're going to get a Christmas bonus if we hit our targets. Great. The other quarters, spring and fall, we're going to take that money and you're going to do something with it. Either we're going to go shooting skeets, right. play golf, and one of the guys said, hey, listen, my neighbor's kid has got uh, leukemia, and he's at the hospital. How about we donate wow. it? And everybody, all these big-ass miners, you know, hardcore, uh, said, yeah. So what they did is now they had pictures of the kids that they helped with that money wow. in the mine. So when somebody was doing something stupid, you know, cutting a corner safety-wise, they'd get slapped in the head and say, hey, listen, right. you moron. If you, if you don't think safe, we won't be able to get the money to be able to God, pay I for love these that. kids. I, that, is, that is so cool, right? And that is so much. Yeah, that is, it, that is really what drives human beings, right? Like that's what drives all of us, right? It's, <clears throat> yeah, man. What an awesome story. Yeah, I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. Right? Isn't yeah. it amazing? By just changing the mindset, right? Saying, how do you participate? How do you create? And I want to bring it back to tenacity. How do you keep people being to being tenacious on their day-to-day -day right. job? Right? How do you keep, without being, you know, super crazy sprinting, right. you know, all, all hands and stuff like that. But how do you keep somebody who has to deal with a truck full <laughs> Whatever. of... Whatever. Right. Ping pong balls, right. for example, and it happens three days in a row. On the fourth day, he's gonna say, yeah. "What the fuck, man?" Yeah. So how do <laughs> how do you he or she? How do you keep that person tenacious to say, "Okay, this yeah. is worth it." No, okay, I get it. Yeah, it's a it's a tricky um, one, right? It's something that we spend a lot of time sitting around thinking about because it's not an easy. It's not there's not an easy equation for it necessarily, right? And there's realities associated with all of this stuff. But I think. You know, I think the piece that you described and certainly the part that we always lean on is two things. One, 
I love always sort of being like, hey, guys, here's a pool of money. You choose how to spend it, right? Because that that creates an mm-hmm. uh, an exciting workplace. It gives them something to chit-chat about all day long and like maybe we should do this, maybe we should do that. And they end up picking things. It's, this is the subculture piece, right? All of a sudden, a subculture gets created, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, you know, oh, we're, we're all going to the local, you know, minor league hockey team, whatever. And it's like, what? Why are you guys? I would have never picked that. It's like, I don't know. It was some joke that, you know, Susie said three weeks ago and we've all decided that that's hilarious. And so you're like, okay, cool. If that's where we're going, then that sounds good to me. Right. You know, do it. Right. You know, I lo- so I love, I, I think, I think encouraging those subcultures to form is, is really positive. And then I think on the, on the keeping people tenacious, you know, it's, I, I think that, you know, really and, and genuinely being open and honest with people about, their lives, where they are in it, where they're going, what mm-hmm. what they want to be doing, what future they want here. Genuinely asking. I think I think as managers, you know, oftentimes we sort of go like, oh, I'm just going to kind of sit back here and hope that nobody comes in and brings up that they want to raise or they want a different job or they want a this or they want a that. Mm-hmm. And and I don't I don't want to engage with that because I don't know that I'm going to be able to deliver. Versus just saying like, hey, look, I can't promise anything, but what do you want? Like. I'm going to broach the subject to you, right? Mm-hmm. God, just opening up that bridge is what keeps people engaged on a regular basis. Just knowing that there is a life conduit for them inside the organization is, is just so valuable, you know? So I don't know. The it's, it's hilarious how the different mindset between reactive and proactive. And this, uh, this is a good story. This general manager in uh, a railway he comes up and he says, Hey Martin, I, I'm really, I need to talk to you about something. I was like, okay, great. He's like, I have an open door policy. I'm a good guy. I really am. And he was, he was. And he says, but nobody crosses my threshold. Like all these problems are not, are just not making it to my desk. And I said, okay, Mr. X, <clears throat> when's the last time you crossed somebody's threshold? He's like, what do you mean? Like, when have you gone to somebody's office being proactive and say, hey, how you doing? Right. What's going on? How can I help? Oh, but I don't want to do that. I don't want, I don't want to disrupt them. So right. he had good intentions, yeah. right? But his intentions didn't or his actions did not match his intentions. When you ask, hey, what do you think about Mr. X? Oh, he's right. always in his office. Okay. And so he doesn't really care. Well, he actually does care. He just he's not demonstrating it properly. So I the listeners listen really well to what Greg said about asking. Don't just because you're the manager and we manage systems and lead people. So you're a leader first and then you manage systems. And as a leader, it's important to go out and see your troops and your people and say, hey, how's it going? Take some time off and really and. When you're asking how you doing, really mean it. How you doing? Bring a that's pad, right. bring a paper. And if people forget that that's the Kaizen. Gemba Kaizen means ground continuous improvement. If you leave the decision making to the ground level as much as you can, right? You're removing yourself and therefore you're being more effective and efficient, therefore yep. increasing profitability. Oh, shit. Oh, there's value in asking questions. People think, oh, they're soft skills. That's bullshit. Soft skills are just human skills. 
And human skills mean that if I can increase morale, what is morale? Morale is the willingness for somebody to achieve or a person or a group of person to achieve an objective. So if I can bring morale up means that I don't care how many days they open up the, the door and ping pong balls are there. They will, they will attack it. Right. Because the morale is up. I know as an employee that the yep. leadership team has got my back. And I think the only way to demonstrate that yeah. is to actually be proactive. So what you said, Greg, about going out there you and have asking to, questions. You actually is have to have their back, critical. right? You have to have their back in every sense of the word, right? You really do. You need to show up and you need to say, hey, how's it going, right? If you want, if, if you want them to be there and be tenacious for you, right, you, 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 you need to show up and you need to say, how's it going? What's going on? How can I help you, right? And, but I think the other, I have one other little tidbit I wanted to add. I thought the whole story of crossing the threshold is just so spot on, right? Because I think, well, I told everybody, you know, if they want to talk to me about anything, then, you know, they should have <laughs> Should have just, I can't believe why they didn't come and tell me anything. It's like, are you kidding me? The last thing somebody wants to do is go and talk to their boss, right? They're like, you know, people, it's like that uh, movie office space, right? Like people are just doing the bare minimum to not get fired, right? So like, they're not coming in trying to inspire up, right? That's not how this works, right? And so, and and another piece that I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't, if I didn't add this is, when you go to talk to somebody else as a leader, right? When you go to talk to somebody inside your organization, mm-hmm. be very cognizant of what that means, right? Because I got this lesson actually from my, my neighbor who works in finance and he's like, yeah, man, if the boss walks in the door, I'm immediately on edge. I'm immediately like, have I done something wrong? You know, just the presence of you being there, you have to remember this this framing and dynamic is people that is ingrained in them, right? So you really have to think about how you approach people when you approach people, you know, don't approach somebody when they're feverishly working on something and they've got another supervisor there that wants them to be feverishly working on. So, you know, you just have to be very mindful of the headspace of the person that you're approaching, the setting that they're in, you know, whether there are peers around or not around. And so it's even more than just Oh, I know I need to go pop down onto the warehouse floor and say, you know, how's it going, Ricky? How's it going, Susie? How's it going, Bob? Like, yeah, you do need to do this, but that can't just become this like procedural. I just pop in and do that because then two things. One, you're not actually being genuine. You're just doing it because you think it's a to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And two, you're going to end up interacting with people in the times and spaces that aren't, aren't great and aren't appropriate anyway. So you have to be just really intentional and, and, um, really human right? And realize that everybody is just another human and we're all just spinning around on this rock together. And, you know, they've got wants and needs and all sorts of stuff you have no idea about. Right. And, uh, yeah, stay human. It's, it, it happened to me at our last quarter. And for me, it was a guy who, who prides himself on his ability to be a excellent leader drew or put get shit done uh, our core value on the kryptonite side of things where I was having relationships with employees in a way for special projects that were not intentional. I was just getting shit done and I had forgotten that as the managing partner, my words have a bigger impact. 
on the day-to-day operation. So when Martin said that, well, hold on a second. Why did I bypass? Oh, because I wanted to get shit done. I was like, no, 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 no. And I... It, be, between me and my integrator, between me and my and my COO, if you want to call it that, we had a conversation and he said, Martin, you need to, I said, absolutely. I just, I was so much that tenacious mindset of just, okay, this is, we've got three big projects, three big deals. We need to get them done. And I had forgotten about, I was so worried about getting shit done yep. that I had forgotten yeah, the easy. people in the process. So it happens to all of us, no matter how much experience you have, as soon as you let go of, of take your fingers off the pulse and start putting your head down, you yeah. lose sight no. of where you it's need so, to go. It's so true. So I, I, the good news though is, and I, I'll say like the most valuable thing you can do is self-reflect. And when you realize you've done that, there is <laughs> literally nothing more powerful in this universe than going back the next day. And just eating humble pie, right? And saying, hey, look, I I, I screwed oh. this up, right? I see you. I heard you. You were right. I made a mistake. I, You know, all that stuff is like, whoa, really? Oh, my God. I'm like so galvanized with you now. Like, thank you. Nobody ever comes and like acknowledges when they were a little bit. It's, it, it's one thing to recognize it for yourself and say, okay, Gal, I got to get better next time. I'll be sure not to do that again next time. But that's a missed opportunity. The real opportunity is to go back and articulate to everybody, hey, I've grown. I screwed up. We're human. You're going to screw up too. This is the this is the shared consciousness here, right? Like, <laughs> it's all good, right? And I think that just goes um, so far in building trust and, um, yeah, so. Oh, and building your leadership. You said it right, to build trust, right? The, how do you influence so leadership is about influencing people to make choices that benefit both them and you that's what leadership is or how my (laughs) wife calls it manipulation so uh, (laughs) he's like don't do that don't do that behavioral leadership thing with me sir or really how do you feel about that tracy what should i be he's like stop the questions okay sorry what else should i be asking she's like stop (laughs) and i get in trouble uh the only thing that i am afraid of in this life is my daughter uh, my wife and my daughter. So my do- my my wife and then my daughter is getting to be like her mom. Is it's pretty it's pretty funny. So I'm like, oh, two things I'm afraid in life. Both of you live in the same house yeah. as I do. <laughs> yeah, I live with my fears. Yeah. So I live with fear every day. That's pretty funny. Uh, Greg, uh, what is the material of choice? What is the one thing? that you refer to is it it could be a saying it could be a book it could be a movie i'll give you an example when it comes time to leadership for me master and commander is the movie there's so many life lessons for me leadership wise in that movie that i really attach operational leadership to okay so that when i talk about that that's when i that's that's the reference that i have what is your reference when we talk about tenacity what or even on day-to-day job, what is the kind of the book, the reference, the movie that is on your desk that you go, oh, this, this is my go-to wow. thing? Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit off script here because I, I feel like this is a uh, – it's just topical. I've got to say it, right? Right now, what I turn to and what I th- reference 
is uh, the president of Ukraine right now when it comes to leadership. I mean, no, nothing, mm. I, I don't think, I, I haven't witnessed a leader like that in my lifetime, right? As far as, um, mm -hmm. you know, the, the skills that he's exhibited and, and what, what, and how the world has rallied behind Ukraine in ways that the world has never r rallied behind, uh, a, a, a country, right? Um, mm -hmm. I look at that and I, and I, and I just, um, I see the way he speaks. I speak, I see, you know, um, the humility and, and everything else that he brings, um, the determination, the steadfast, um, it's, it's just so exemplary. Um, you know, it's, it's horrible that it's these circumstances by which he's having to, to lead under, right. That's, uh, nobody should be asked to do that, but I've just been really inspired, um, by, by his leadership. Right. And, uh, I think, I think watching that is, in a, in a small way, you know, lessons that we can take into our dailies. And, you know, I, I think also just to tie it back to tenacity, it's kind of like, you know, like I said earlier, you know, looking back at horrible moments and going like, well, of course I can get through this because this isn't horrible. Right. So when you're thinking about, you know, wavering from things, think about that leadership, right? Think about the leadership that's required to, have your countrymen stand up every day and and literally go to war for you right and that's that's tenacity right that's that's really what it is full circle end of conversation i mean that i could not have said that better myself i think i agree uh great representation of of tenacity wow with that said, Greg, thank you so very much for being on the show. I think we can, you and I can chat for we another two could. hours. We certainly could. This has been a lot of fun, Martin. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, so, yeah, thank you very much for being on the show. Great. Uh, with that being said, please like, subscribe, and click the notification bell. I'm getting better at my marketing material. Um, and want to thank all the listeners. So thank you very much to all the listeners and people who are watching. Um my name is Martin Hunter. I am the host of What CEOs Talk About, where we translate strategy into frontline operations. Thank you very much, and hear us out at the next episode. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to What CEOs Talk About. Make sure to click subscribe to get notified about future episodes, or check us out at www.whatceostalkabout.com.